let's talk about the old system of uh, the way people operate now and, and the way they sell things now and, and how functional or how dysfunctional that is. Why don't you tell me a little bit about the way you used to do things? Well, basically, when I uh, showed up on a call, I would you know, evaluate the situation, and then I would go out to my truck, believe it or not, and, and just next to the customer, and I would type them out a proposal and come back in and, and, and give them a, show them the proposal with all the literature uh, for the different, you know, efficiency equipment, uh, air handlers, uh, air quality equipment, and I would give them a base price, and then I would have a lot of upgrades on the proposal where they could upgrade to a higher efficiency unit. They could add air cleaners, air purifiers, all that type of thing. So, so you would go to the call, just get to meet and talk to the customer, ask some questions, some of the uh, kind of scripted comfort questions like, uh, uh, you know, is it too dusty or dry in here? Uh, what are you hoping to do here? And uh, get to know the customer a little bit. And exactly. then you'd leave, you'd leave the call and go in the car. you tell the customer, I'm going to go in the car and make up a proposal, and you'd actually type it up, and you had a printer in your car, right? Right, exactly. Yeah, I had, like, my own little office. And I told them, I hope you don't mind, I have a little home office out in my truck, and I have a computer and everything in there, and I'm going to go out and prepare something for you and uh, and come back, and then we'll talk after that. And then you'd come in, you'd come back in, you'd, make, you'd bring all your literature, because I remember when I first met you guys, you had, like, uh, six different crates of literature in the back of your cars with yeah, all the different equipment and harnesses right. and stuff like that in it, right? Yep, exactly. And then you'd come back in with literature and your presentation, which would be basically a proposal, Right, and, and you would put like the one furnace down you were selected for them, and then a bunch of different options to upgrade. Exactly, and Perfect. I would highlight I would highlight on the literature the some of the you know features and benefits, and we spent a lot of time discussing equipment and uh, options. Talking about options. Now, in those right. calls back then, Rick, who did most of the talking? You were the customer. Oh, I did all the talking. So, so you, the customer listening, you doing all the talking, right? Correct. Yep. All right, and then uh, what kind of uh, results did you get from that? Was that, was that, was those good results? Or did you, I mean, still well, pretty good, I, I had decent results. I mean, I would close about 45% of uh, what I did, but a lot of times I would sell a base unit, a base system with uh, a couple little upgrades here and there. Uh-huh. And the sales you're doing now are different than those base upgrades with a few upgrades on them? What, what, what kind of options are you getting now from people? Well, now I, I do it. Uh, oh, now I'm getting more. Uh, most of the time, I'm getting a medium, like somewhere in the median, one of my median packages, to high. So I get a lot of high-end packages as well. Now, where'd you learn those other techniques before? I mean, when you find yourself doing what you did before with the um, getting the proposal and literature and that type of stuff, and coming back and making a presentation the old way, where did you get those techniques from? I'm not exactly sure, Joe. I think I probably picked some of them up here and there. But I think most of just how I thought it should probably go. I figured, you know, this is what pe- people want to know about the equipment. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in the equipment. They must be as well. So I think I, it was kind of half my own thinking and half you pick things up from different, you know, uh, manufacturer training, that type of thing. What What are some problems with that old style of doing things? I mean, if you could say the ba- the biggest issue or some of the problems, if you could list some of the issues with that old style, what what were they? Well, a couple of them, uh, one of them is, first of all, you bore the customer because what I've realized now is the customer doesn't care about all that stuff, really. They just want air conditioning and they want, you know, they, they want, want to be comfortable. Um, another thing is, is when you talk about all those different things, you're really distracting them from what you really want them to do, and that's to buy something from you. Okay. Yeah, right? When you start talking about all these different types of things, uh, they gave them too many things for them to be distracted all, and sometimes I would not sell it because I gave them so much information they had to absorb it all. Mm-hmm. And I was just, what I found was 
I was forcing the customer into, um, i I got to think about this. So, so you, you would get a lot of thinking overs at that point. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then, I mean, at that point, when you had to think it over, when you had a no at the end of your presentation, what kind of objection handling skills did you have then? Not really. I would ask, and I would ask them, you know, um, when they're going to make a decision, when I could call them back. I really didn't handle the objection that well at all. I just pretty much uh, ran, <laughs> and and I would do the, I would become the human pest. Mm-hmm. And I would, you know, call them up three times over a period of a month, right. and you know, and see if I if I could get them to close the sale. Well, let's face it, there's a kind of a deceptive nature in the way prospects operate. Um, let's, you know, when they come out there with the cu- customers looking to get your information from you, which you were more than gladly giving it to them, and they were looking to get your price so they could shop it around and see if they can get a better price from somebody else. Obviously, right? Exactly. So I was just acting as a free consultant. And I heard all the time I was very knowledgeable and I gave them more information than anybody else, but then they go and buy it from a cheaper guy anyway. About 60, so, yeah. so around 60% of the time they buy it from right, somebody yeah. else at that point. Yeah, I was, getting, I was really getting used and didn't even realize it. Yeah. It's almost like a cartoon, almost like a caricature of the way things are going. It's like I call them as a spray and pray where you go out there and uh, and put it out there and see and see what goes on, right, and see, see right. how it goes just just go out there and give numbers and hope for the best, more or less, at the end, right? Right, that's exactly, you know, because I just didn't know a better way. I, I didn't know a better way of doing it, and that's how I did it. All right, now i got some people on the phone now. I know that a couple guys took the training and so forth, and are really anxious to talk to you tonight, Rick, about just kind of uh, asking you a few questions uh, flat out about what's going on and, and how you changed from doing about 40% close to you're probably, what, about 70% now, something like yeah, that? Where are you at? Uh, uh, 75. 75%. So you took it from a 45% close to a... 75% close, and the average ticket, did it get higher or lower? Oh, definitely high. I, I, it's doubled and tripled in some cases. So it's doubled or tripled, and you're closing more. So you're closing more of those opportunities, and the dollar amount has gone higher. As a matter of fact, I remember you saying that the gross profit on those calls I saw from the months of January and February is over, over 60%, correct? Correct, yep. Where a lot of comfort consultants or comfort advisors struggle to get 40%. Is that true? Because right. back in the old, that was kind of the old model, right? Yeah, I was shooting for 45% in the past, and now uh, I, I'm and I, I'm quoting them higher than 60%, but after everything's all said and done, looking at the financial statements for January and February, we came in at about 60%. Right. So back in the old model, selling the client says, tell me about your product. You kind of spill your guts about all the stuff. You, you keep talking until you get the white stuff around the outside of your mouth. Yeah, so your mouth gets dry from talking so much. Right. The client asks more questions about the equipment, or or asks about. Uh, you know, it's funny how the clients never ask about you personally. Are you the company, right? They they rarely ever ask that stuff, do they? Um, no. All they all they because they because they've been trained by other people as to what they should ask, and they keep focusing on the equipment. Isn't that correct? Right. Yeah. They they try to focus on that because in their mind, when you get there, that's that's what they're going to compare you against. They're going to compare you against. Um, the other people's equipment. Right. You know, it's like it's like comparing, and in mind, they're comparing against two cars. It's right. The same issue, right? So they're not thinking about any of the other aspects about quality installation or or any, any of those types of things. They just right. want to know how can I compare this guy apples to apples with another guy. Right. And now, of course, in this way of doing it that you're doing now, your job is to change that environment so it doesn't become an apples to apples comparison at all, right? Absolutely. So I'd say if, if you could say number one job of a salesperson is to not allow yourself to be compared to as an apples to apples situation, wouldn't you agree? Absolutely, yes. All right, good. Um, now, the seller asked a few clients about, uh, so you ask a few cli- questions about the client situation, like, 
Is the rooms too dusty or dry or is it colder or warm? And usually a customer doesn't, isn't very forthright about those situations either, is he? I mean, by asking those questions, sometimes they tell you, sometimes they don't, right? Right, yeah, yeah. It's really a crapshoot. Yeah. yeah, so the client tries to end the call by look, looking, looking. So it's like I look everything over and give you a call back, usually kind of like, uh, well, let me check it out and give you a call back, right? Right. And, uh, of course, now you as a seller back, if you were a good salesman, you might try and do do a hard close and say, but hang on, let me try and close you a different way. And that never probably never felt very comfortable to you. Am I correct? Uh, it's just not my style. I just, you know, I felt like if I did my job, I, I wouldn't have to do that. So you never got to the point back then when you were selling stuff that you ever got into like a real, I call a hard close situation where you <laughs> used uh, car dealership tactics and Ben Frank, Benjamin Franklin closes and all different kinds right. of clothes. Yeah, none, none of that stuff felt right to me. It just didn't my gut feel right. It yeah. just felt like, you know, uh, I'm doing something to get them to this point, and now I'm going to try to make up for my mistake by doing something that I'm that me or the customer are not going to be comfortable with it. Right. And I, I found I did better off just um, um, not hard pressuring, and, and then a lot of times I did get the job because I didn't pressure them because of the situation I put myself in, you know. Right. Well, we have a couple of people on the phone right now. I know um, I know we had some people who took the training and some people who haven't taken the training. Um, but just so, just so we're talking about the same thing here, Rick, looking at your numbers for the year to date, you know, you've come a long way since when I first met you. Uh, you were doing good good when I first met you, about $1.5, but you were about $2 million sales when I first met you, right, something like that? Yes. Yeah, yeah, two, I think I did two and a half. Two, two and a half, something like that. Right. And, and now the numbers are uh, – pretty staggering like for 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 january you did about five hundred fifty thousand, and uh for february a little bit over five hundred thousand. so by february by february 28th you had crossed a million dollars in sales am i correct correct so many people can't even do that there's whole companies out there who haven't done that in a whole year right so so, so just let me test you real quick if i said give me a, give me a number like how much what's an average week for you if you're selling if you're selling that much how much is an average week when you're out there selling for that kind of a thing and that kind of a month yeah, well, about 125,000 a week is about what I've been averaging. About 125,000 a week. Right. So, so either, so talking about every single day, if you look look on average, if you had a you work you work six days a week, right? Yes, I do. Yep. So you work six days, 120,000, something like that. So you're looking at about 20,000 hours a day. Correct. So that's a pretty normal day to close about 20,000 hours in business a day. So yes. let's talk to some of the people who are out there right now and open the phones a little bit to some people. I know we have Ian from uh, up there in the Northeast, and we have uh, um, a gentleman I know from uh, Florida who's down there. Is it Mike? Yes, that's right. Mike, and a few other people from the, one guy from Oregon. So we have a couple other people from California. So uh, let's go ahead and talk. Uh, let's allow people to just kind of ask a question at this point. Um, what are some of the questions that are on your minds right now at this point? Now, Ian, you've been you've been with the system for a little bit now. A couple of weeks we've uh, we've had a training session. We did a couple of weeks ago full time. Uh, what what's some questions you might have for Rick at this point? Somebody somebody's out there every day doing what you do uh, on a real high level. What kind of questions do you have for him? You think? Well, I guess um, one of them would be kind of like always that peace of mind helps me, and uh, you know I find myself getting better and better with this uh, day by day. Even though I'm not necessarily closing the call, or I mean I, I am closing some calls, um, you know, equal to where I was before if they choose my worst option, which was my best option before. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, I find with myself, you know, I, I took Joe's course. I finished up about two weeks ago, and it was great, and I learned a lot. And it seems like when I role-played it, everything was, was great. 
now I find myself a little hesitant, and I'm almost like bit by bit. Like, for example, like I just got comfortable with, you know, having the camera take a guess at what something would cost. So, you know, I'll say to them, now, now I'm able to overcome that. Almost like, you know, Joe says, you got to ask for the sale six times or, you know, many times. I was having trouble getting them to guess at a, at a number. Now uh-huh. I'm overcoming that, and I'm really getting them to do that. So my my next thing is, I'm having a little trouble with it. And this this is I know once I get there's about two more steps to be really successful. Um, I have to I'm having trouble when I sit when I I know when it's not time to make the presentation on site. It's very clear. They make it clear to me. One thing I'm having trouble with is scheduling the presentation. It's still having them commit to me, tell me, telling me they're going to make a decision. Like I'm, I'm having people tell me that, oh no, you know, even when you, yeah, I'm, you know, I, if you have something there, you know, if if you don't, if I say, you know, if you if you if you don't like what I have to offer you, would you tell me no? Of course I would. You know, if you if you if you like, uh, you know, some of the things I have, would would you tell me yes? And 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 they would say, of course. So then I'll say, so you know, when I come out here, you know, we schedule. Okay, what would what would work for you? And then I'll, I'll make the bullshit call to the office. You know. Uh-huh. All right, the appointment, uh, but why don't we bump that one? And, you know, this is this is important. Uh, this person needs such and such done, and, and I need to get out here to make this presentation very important. Uh-huh. And then, you know, the, the girls in the office are just laughing because whatever. And then, um, and then when I hang up the phone, they'll tell me, they'll say, yeah, well, you know, I'm definitely ready to make, make a decision, but, you know, I'm probably going to need the weekend to think about it. Rick, what so do you I find about that? Let's, let's talk about that part of the call. Because in our in our model, uh, people who are listening to this maybe for the first time, there's usually two parts to every call. The first part of the call is to see kind of when I should make a presentation and see if today is the day I make a presentation or if a future day is the day I make a presentation. The biggest thing I would tell everybody out there who's listening to this call for the first time is that if a salesperson in our system can make the presentation of the product on the same day the decision will be made, you're probably going to have about a 65% close rate on those presentations. The, the, the challenge is, like, Alan, like Ian is saying, is to get people to take your presentation seriously and to give you that definite yes or no. Now, Rick, I know when you first started out, you had some struggles on that part too. Uh, how have you overcome that at this point? How do you uh, uh, how do you make that work for you? Where when you come back that second time, you definitely get a decision. Well, I, I think it's it's what Ian's saying is it's only been a couple of weeks. I mean, with me. I really thought about the principles that you taught me, and it took me quite a while, you know, four, five, six months of trial and error before I was able to kind of learn how to get the point across without making it sound like a pitch to them. Right. Um, You know, so for instance, when I ask people, you know, when they're going to be ready to make a decision, and uh, and then they say, well, we're going to make a decision by a certain date, I'm like, all right, well, I'm going to come back on that date, and all I ask is that when I come back, that if I take the time to work up a, uh, uh, a presentation for you, I'm going to go back and chop my pencil, come back and give you my uh, my presentation. You know, and I do the same thing. And then if they say, well, I don't really want to position that, that then I say, well, let me ask you, um, are you, you know, you really want to have this uh, system installed? I'm like, and then they'll say, well, yes. All right, well, what is it, what, what could it be that would be holding you back on that day from making a decision? And I see what I do is I find instead of me being on the defensive all the time, I'm gonna throw it back at them. I'm gonna and that's an easy way to think in your head. What can I do now to make instead of me trying to convince this person? Yeah, why are you coming up with the answer? So, so that's a good right. point, Rick. So why are you right. coming up with the answer when 
you've already agreed to come back a second time and take your precious time to do that. But uh, what's going to stand? The, I guess the question is then. The, the answer is not going to come from you, Ian. It's going to come from the customer. Exactly. As, right. as to, yeah. as to, so what's what's standing in the way of making a decision on that day? Right. Right. So, that's, right. so whenever you ask a question to a customer, you put the ball back in their court, and now they have to come. Now it's not you having to come up with convincing them they should make a decision. It's them have to come up and convince you why they shouldn't. Right. Does that so make sense? Like, you know, how did you phrase that, Rick? Can you say? What would prevent you from making the making decision? This, yeah, what's holding you back from making a decision that day? And uh-huh. and then sometimes I'll take it a step further. I'll take responsibility. Responsibility. What have I done to make you feel like you couldn't make a decision that day? Yeah. Have I All done right, something so, to hold you back from making a decision that day? Right. Something uh, I'm doing know, wrong? Because right, I don't mind yeah. coming back a second time, but if I do come back that second time, all I ask you to do is make a yes or no. I don't. I don't even expect you to say yes. I just expect you to make a yes or no. Right, exactly. Yeah, I always tell people that, that at that point I would say, Ian, go go for the no harder. I would say, let's face it, if you're not going to make a decision that day, I'll, I'll make one for you. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's going to be no. Uh-huh. You know, if a customer if a customer says, listen, I can't decide when you come back on that day, then I say, listen, if I make my presentation, it's not clearly better than the competition. If it's not different than everybody else's, I'm going to recommend you go with the other companies then. Yeah. And I think it's, there's a, it's, a, it's a softer way of saying no, right? It's a, basically, I'm going to tell you no. I'm not going to allow and you to. Nobody, and nobody wants you to tell them what decision they're going to make, so they're going to probably. They're going to fight you on that and say, oh, no, I'm going to go yes. How do you know? Yeah. How do you, how do you know I'm going to say no? Well, because if you don't say it, I'll say it. Let's face it, if I'm not better on that day, you should tell me no. I always tell people, listen, if, I'm, if I make that presentation next Friday like you told me you're going to do, and you've had four other estimates out here, and I'm not clearly better than everybody else, well, then you should just tell me no. If you don't tell me no on that day, then I'm going to tell you no because I, I can tell you now, if we're not better than you, if we're not clearly better than somebody else at that point, uh, you should have already gone somewhere else. And I'll, I'll call it over. Uh-huh. And they'll be like, no, don't do that. Uh, I like what you're saying. What do you like so much about it? Well, I like the warranties and the service. And Well, then what should we do? You're right back in again. See that? Uh-huh. Right, you see, you keep on throwing it back on them. That's a very powerful. Those are those are little nuggets that you learn. Like, um, so now what should I do? Instead of you saying, "So, all right, let's do this," you leave, you you go back in their court again and say, "All right, now what should I do?" And let them tell you to leave or yeah. So let's find it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's roll for that one, Ian. Like, let's say that the customer says, "But you know, on that day, I might need the weekend to think about it." And I would say, "Okay, well that's fine, but I'm gonna need to have a decision on that day. So, so you got so you need the weekend, but I gotta get a decision that day." So now what should we do? And just put it in their court. Why are you make? Why are you the one who's got to decide something? Uh huh. Why are you the one? Are you King Solomon? You're just a sales guy, right? Yeah. So, so you, you made an agreement to come back next Friday and take your precious time to do it. And they say I need the weekend. Then I'd say, well, when I come back on that day, I'm gonna need to. If I come, if I do come back on that day, I'm gonna need to make a. I'm gonna need a. I'm gonna need a decision to be made. So what should we do then? Should I come back uh-huh. at all, or should I not come back after the weekend then? Right. So that, this is one thing that I'm, I know I've kind of pushed off the appointments, but I wasn't sure how to react to it, and that's why I had that question. Now, one other one, and it's almost the same thing, it's just a kind of a little different twist to it, um, is like, you know, I guess I guess when there is another, when you go and there's, you go, you still, you go, and you go through your first three steps, you're not going to make your presentation, Um so you're going to reschedule your appointment, and now 
it's impossible for the, for for the, all the decision makers to be there. The first on the first like, appointment. I, I went to one. I went to one the other day where it's it's a six. It's a it's like a big house, but it's really a six unit condo. Mm-hmm. And it's it's I'm going to be making a presentation. I got to call her to schedule the appointment because I knew I wanted to talk to you and get your advice as to how to get this. But what I asked her was, you know, don't you think it would be, you know, would it be helpful if all the other decision makers were present when I, you know, when I make this presentation? And she said, oh yeah. But basically, coordinating coordinating that's going to be very difficult. Yeah. And she can't do it. So she's like, I'm like, well, can I come back and present it to you? And she's like. Well, why you know? There's really no need to, because you know I'm gonna be I'm gonna I, I'm why don't you email it to me and I'm gonna go over it. We now we've done work for this customer before. She is a regular customer, and I would be I would be hard pressed to believe that she doesn't buy one of my options because I'm gonna have a shitload of them. But I want to know in the event that she's not a regular customer, I would definitely be a little more concerned as to how am I gonna overcome that. Well, I tell you what, I would be concerned whether or not they're a regular customer or not. And actually, your, rest, your your regular customers are more capable of of bushwhacking you than a stranger because a stranger right. you wouldn't trust, but uh-huh. your regular customer is the person you would trust. They're the ones they're the ones who will screw you over worse than anybody because they know they kind of got you. you know, yeah. They they they, they, they kind of got that. Rick, don't you feel that way about like sometimes the the, the regular customer is like a wolf in sheep's clothing? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, another thing with that situation, um, I would I would. I'd be willing to come back and make several presentations to the uh, to people because what I use all the time is I say, listen, for me to try to have you explain to your husband or a committee or anybody else, all these options would be malpractice on my part because you're really not the heating and air conditioning expert I am, and I wouldn't I wouldn't feel comfortable asking you to do that. So how can we get all these people together so that I can really do my job because I'm not comfortable you doing my job. Right. Right. And those are some. Uh what do you call it, uh, some pretty advanced things that happen. Thank God every call is not like that, right, Ian? I mean, it's not every yeah. call like that. No, no, they're not. You're yeah. right. I mean, but thank I goodness that's, that's not like the normal way it goes, but it does happen often enough where it sticks in your craw, and that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah, like, and that's why I was saying, I guess, Rick, and I had that this was kind of a question I was asking and I never got to. Like, I'm finding for myself, it's like one little step by little step, but once I hit one of those key points, it's there, and I kind of, I know, I, it got it, it's in my head. If now I'm you in front it. of a customer, yeah, I'm, I'm going to hit it every time now. So this is the one I got to get down because I kind of been backing down from it. I know I'm not presentation that day, but now what am I going to, you know, when I come back and make the presentation, am I going to get a decision? And they're pretty much telling me, no, you're probably not going to get a decision that day. And so I'm now, now take it away now at that point. Say, yeah, what day should I come back then? Right. Still don't make the presentation now. No, you know, exactly. I, 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 yeah. Yeah. so what day should I come back, or what's going to prevent you from making – these are the answers I need to hear. Right. Now i got to, now I got to throw one of these lines out there and I because I haven't done it, you know? That's right. good. I haven't had the answer. I've just kind of been stunned and been like, oh, yeah, yeah, we'll see. I'll see you next Tuesday. Yeah, well, let's face it, Ian. You went from just kind of like your own sales training method of your own method to one of the most advanced methods in the world, so you're – it's going to take – it's like, kind of like, um, you know, if you were a normal baseball player like, or like a, like a little league baseball player, now you're in the minor leagues, and, you know, to get to the major league level, you, you, little by little you got to learn every day. It's like spring training for you right now. The next last two weeks has been like spring training, and 
within about, like Rick was saying, I mean, Rick, when did you feel comfortable with this whole thing? Well, I was going to say that. I mean, at, at times, I'm still not always comfortable with everything. It's, you know, we have to, these are principles that you, these are principles that you know you should follow. And what you do is you try to apply all those principles all the time. And as as you continue to practice it, you'll get better and better at it. You know, and sometimes I knew I was doing things wrong, but as I continue to go on and continue to say, this is something different for me, I have to keep on trying it, you start to find out what works for you and your personality. As long as you stick to the principles, then yeah. you can gradually, you can't expect to do all these different principles at once. I mean, you, you know, already you're probably already doing so much better than before you had no idea what, what you were supposed to do. At least you know now that when you're messing up. And, right. and, and the principle, of course, is... Head, the principle, of course, is when you make a presentation, always get a decision. Right. Yeah. That's the I principle. Mean, so that's the bottom line principle is whenever I make a presentation, I will always get a yes or no, or I won't make the presentation at all. I refuse to make – so bottom line, I refuse to make a presentation unless I get an answer yes or no. Right. And I'll, and come, I'll come back and make that presentation right. uh, as many times as you want me to, but I'm not going to make it until you uh, you tell me yes or no when I do make it. I'm, I'll travel back here five times. It means I got to travel back uh, to give the same presentation five times, but I'm not going to leave the presentation behind unless I get yes or no. Uh huh. Right. That's how you got to think. That's how you got to think. Yeah, I think that right. this presentation is valuable. I'm not going to leak it out to everybody unless I get a uh, an answer. It's too valuable. It's too valuable. My engineering and my my specific way of putting this together was too good, and I'm not going to uh, give it to people unless they've committed to give me yes or no. Uh huh. And that's the principle there, right? Yeah. I, well, you know what? And, Joe, I think if you, if I get through that step, like you said, 60% of the time or however, I don't know what you said the percentage was. But 65. Way there, they're going to buy. Yeah, it will be. So if I if, if I can get through, that's what I'm, I'm sticking right I'm sticking right now. Yeah. Well, I think another, another principle Rick was going to talk about tonight was, you, Rick, you thought that one of the most powerful principles was that when you give something to somebody, you always get paid for it in some way. I mean, you, you don't just do something for somebody unless you are getting rewarded in some way, right? Exactly. Like, I remember when you told me a story about some customer who said, uh, looks really good, Rick, but do you guys have a senior citizen discount? If you if you got one, I'll go ahead and buy. And you said before, go ahead and tell us that little story. How that, how yeah, that it's, it's a good one. I, um, as a, a couple of times I've used that. Um, I had one where uh, I, I was with a, an, an older gentleman, and he said to me, so, uh, do you have a senior citizen discount? And I would have used to said, well, sure we do. It's 10% or 5 but whatever it is. So I, I first thing I says, well, first of all, uh, if I did have a senior citizen discount, what what kind of number did you have in mind? He said, well, I'm making you like 2%. I'm like, 2%. I'm like, well, if I could get you a 2% discount, what would you do then? So before I even volunteered anything, I said, yeah, sure, we have that. I, I made him give me a little commitment. He said, if you gave me a 2% discount, then I would. I guess I would buy. I said, oh, you guess or you would? He said, I still don't let him off the hook. He said, if you gave me a 2% senior citizen discount, I would buy right now. I'm like, all right, no problem. I'll give you a 2% discount. You know, whereas in the past, I might have, been, I might have given him 5 or 10% because here's what used to happen. I said, oh, yeah, I'm going to give you a 5% discount. And then they say, oh, that's great. So that's this amount of money. All right, good. Let me think about that. See, I, yeah. I gave him a discount with no commitment, and then I I get nothing left for it, you know. Yeah. Um, other times the same thing will happen. People will ask me for a discount, and they say, listen, I had one just said the last week said to me, um, 
listen, if you could take $500 off of this job, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that. I'm like, all right, well, if I could take $500 off, off this job, what would you do then? He, he said, uh, well, I would do it. I said, well, hey, let, let me ask you a question. I'm going to, um, if I couldn't take off five uh, $500, but I could, I'll give you an additional four-year labor warranty instead of one-year labor warranty. How would that make you feel? Well, that would make me feel great. I mean, that would be great for me. I said, all right, so I call my boss now, and I'm going to ask him if I can do this. I'm not going to come back and you have you say anything different, right? He said, no, if you call your boss and give me extra four years labor warranty, then I'll I'll buy the system. I said, all right, let me give him a call. And then, of course, I call my, my buddy, <laughs> Jim Dugan, and, and I ask him, he said, sure, Rick, no problem. Uh-huh. You know, so what I did was, instead of having to give him money off, and really that teaches you, it's not really about the money off. At that point, when you start to get into those type of discussions, they've already decided they're going to use you. Now it's just they want to feel good. They want to feel like they get something for free. It's not about the $500. It's about the customer feeling like they won. Uh-huh. And so so all you want to do is find something you can give them, but before you give them anything, you want a commitment from them. Right. But that, that's one of the... Another one of the principles that we're talking about that uh, as we go through the weeks of doing this, uh, this will be something that we're going to be talking about together. Now let's do a little bit of roll call here and see who we have on the call. So we got, I know we had, we had Ian already checking with us uh, from the northeast. Uh, we have Rick is with us, and we have uh, so somebody from the 201 area code. Who's that? Uh, I got 0307. Who's that? Uh, that's Bob D. from Waterworks. Hi, Bob. How you doing? Good. And we have uh, who else is on the line? We have uh, see six one. See uh, we have seven eight one number o five four zero is last four number. Who's that? Bob Ronan. Bob, hi Bob. How you doing? How you doing, Joe? Good. And uh, we have let me see uh, two two o one and last numbers are seven one six eight. Who's who's two o three seven one six eight? Last four numbers. Who's that? Scott Basso. Scott, how you doing? I'm well. How are you, Jeff? I'm doing fantastic. How's life in Connecticut? You guys are in uh, near New Haven, right? Uh, Bridgeport. Bridgeport. Okay, that's good. That's well, you know, to us outsiders, it all it's all it's the right same, right? Right next door. <laughs> How about uh, 908 area? You got, I got a 908 area code. Who's that? It's uh, we're right next door. Who's that? 908. 908. Last four numbers are 2169. Who's that? Lee. And who's that? Lee from New Jersey. Hi, Lee. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Good, good. All right. So uh, let me see. That pretty much prevents the roll call. So uh, at this point, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the uh, some of the ways the call starts. We talked about the old way earlier in the call. We talked about the way things started before, uh, the old way of doing things, where basically, Rick, you said you went out there, sure, yeah. asked, asked some scripted questions, got your presentation together, got some literature, went back in the house and I call spray and pray, give them the information and then hope at the end you could uh, get the sale. That's how you used to go back in the old days, right? Right, exactly. So when you go on this call now, what's your first thought now? Is it is it is it I'm going to make a presentation today or what's like, let's talk about one of those principles, right? Yeah. So is the principle of going out there, what's the first call all about? What are you trying to do? Well, the first thing I, I want to do is I find out if the customer really needs my services. I have them, a lot of times they convince me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I find out, you know, um, why they're even considering having a new furnace or, you know, I, you know, and, and if we service them now, who, who services it, I, well, I'll get to find, 
Go Let's ahead. go over it real quick, Rick. So when somebody says, hey, Rick, we're looking to get a new furnace, and you say, so why, do, why are you looking to get one now, right? Yeah, yeah. why are you looking to get one now? Well, it's it's old. Well, how old is it? Well, it's 40 years old. 40 years old? It's been old for 15 years. <laughs> why, why are you what? looking to change it now? Well, because this one's just getting old, and we just like to get rid of it. Oh, okay. Um, who have you, have you had anybody working on it? Oh, yeah, we used to use, uh, you know, Jim's heating and air conditioning up there in uh, Rhode Island. We used to use, we used them for like 10 years. Oh, I know. Yeah, Jim, they're a good company. Well, let me ask you, how come you're not using them? Uh, well, last time we had them out here, we weren't happy. Oh, really? What happened? Well, we had some problems with them. Actually, uh, he, the guy, the, uh, the service guy uh, got angry at me and wound up leaving. I don't know, he he got upset, and uh, he actually swore at me in the middle of the call. No, really? Oh, yeah, he did, yeah, because our, uh, our dog urinated on his tools. Oh, my goodness. So how that how that make you feel? Well, I mean, uh, it's our dog. It's part of the family, and, you know, he, he, he got angry at him, and he wound up swearing at me because of our dog, and I said, I don't think it was very nice. I mean, sure, he's, he's, he's only a dog. He doesn't know any better, you know? Wow. So it doesn't look, look like you're going to be using gyms again. Oh no, we're never using those. I'm not even gonna get. I'm not even getting a number from them. We're, we're oh, done with them. Oh boy. So when uh, when are you thinking of having the furnace replaced? Oh, we're thinking like uh, in about two weeks from now. We're thinking of having it done. All right, two weeks. Is there any reason why you don't want to have it done right away? Uh, well, no. I guess we could do it right away if you can give us a, a price. I'd go ahead and make a decision today. All right. So if I give you a price and you and you like and you don't like it, what are you gonna say? Well, I'll tell you no. I don't like it then. All right, great. And if you do like it, what are you going to say? Well, we'll go ahead and get the job done. All right, good. So if I make your presentation, I'm not going to get the I think about it or the that type of thing, right? No, no. We're going to. I'll, I'll let you know yes or no today. That's that's for, that's for sure. All right, great. That's good news. So let me just evaluate everything's going on here, and then I'll put together a little presentation, and then so, we'll go so there you there. go. That's kind of the first part of the call. Now that, that's that's different than what you used to do, right? Because before you'd come in and kind of uh talk about Lennox or talk about whatever brand you were doing before, right? Exactly right. Yeah. And so now we're talking about a different situation altogether. We're not talking about we're not talking anymore about brand names or the even even the problem itself. We're talking about why you want this problem fixed. Right. And what you're doing is you're training them without them even realizing to make a decision today. You've kind of trained them to, to influence you've helped influence the decision make, being made today. Right. And so now look at looking at kind of what you do now, Rick. You'd say the first part of the call is just to see if we're going to make a, if the customer is serious about making a presentation today. Now, if let's say I go back on that call and I said, oh, we're, no matter what, we're not going to do this for another two weeks because I got I'm going to be out of town for two for these next two weeks. I'm going to come back. I hope I we're hoping to get it done three weeks from now when I come back into town. Right now, that that used to be a hard situation for me because I used to go in with my computer, my bag, and everything, and I put it in the customer's mind that they're ready to get a price today. I don't do that. Now I just go on with my pad, uh-huh. and I start talking to them, and I never even give them the idea that I was prepared to give them price today. So oh, when so, they so, that, so did you hear that, guys? Is that, Rick, you're saying that you, aren't, you don't even give them a, a hint that they could get a price today at all. You don't let them know I could, give you, I could even give you one yet. Right, price. because I used to go in with my computer, my bag, and everything, and then they're like, you get everything right here. Why can't you give me price right now? It used to make it a lot hotter for me. So uh, now I just say to them, well, here's what I usually do. I gather the information. I write it all down. I go back to the shop. I shop on my pencil. I come up with a presentation for you, and then I come back and make a presentation. Then I go into when I come back, if you don't like what I say, I go do it that way. Now, again, I train them into thinking that 
I was going to come back in three weeks anyway. Right. Well, let me stop right there. It sounds like one of the principles we need to talk about then is going into the house with very little as opposed to going in with a big briefcase or some kind of huge dog and pony show. Because I know a lot of guys come in the house and they bring with them a big presentation binder and a big uh, satchel and briefcase. They bring the whole dog and pony show on the, on the first time they go through. So right. you're saying one of the principles would be that at this point, go in with very little. Just go in with a notepad, right. a pen and paper to take some notes. Right, exactly. And just kind of see what's going on. And don't give people the hint that you could give them a price today. Right. And like Ian was saying uh, earlier, who was his name, Ian, right? Yeah. Yeah. You learn. I learned that as I went on because I was I had a hard time talking to the customer and letting me give them a price today. And I realized it was because I had all my baggage with me. <laughs> you know? so, so, so the fact that you brought that stuff in influenced people to think that you could give them a price. Right. And so, again, anytime you're having a problem, you have to take responsibility. And what am I doing to cause this problem? And if you do that, then you can correct it. Right. You know, so you look at yourself and say, all right, what am I doing that's causing this always to come up all the time? And then you learn to think about that. How, how am I going to alter that? Well, I'm just going to leave that junk in the truck. I mean, and I'm yeah. going to go on my pad. And then once they tell me they're going to make a decision, say, all right, let me run to the truck and get my computer and stuff. Uh, after I do the evaluation, and, and then I come in and I, I sit down at the table and I do it. So that's kind of neat. So actually now you bring in the tools to, to price the job out only after you figure out that today a decision will be made today. Yes. Otherwise, you don't make it even sound like it's possible that one could be. So you're kind of going with the flow as opposed to fighting it. You're right. telling a customer, yeah, it's fine. Well, here's what we're going to do then. I'll come back when you're going to make a decision on that day two weeks from now when you come back in town. And that day I'll just get, I'll expect you to have a present, expect a decision today on that day. Right. And then also it's, it's a way to tell myself that I'm not there to give them a price. I'm there to sell the job. So why would I bring in all my tools and everything before I know the situation? Right. Yeah, that's right. interesting. Do customers yeah. ever question you about where's all your stuff? Never. No. They're probably relieved to see you don't have it all. <laughs> probably, yeah. Cause, cause yeah. I, I, think, I think I remember one time I was. It kind of brings up a situation. I was out in Oregon, riding with a guy, and the guy had a presentation book. It was about three inches thick. Yeah. And, and I brought in brought the book into the call with me. I used it for a specific reason. What I did is I talked to the customer and I asked the sales guy. I said, "I said, what do you, what do you normally bring in with you when you do a sales call?" He goes, "I'll bring my I'll bring my briefcase and you can bring that presentation binder. We're gonna need that too." I said, "Okay." So we go in there and the, and the guy starts saying, "Here's what we're gonna do today, sir. I'm gonna go ask you some questions. I'll talk, I'm gonna, Joe's gonna show you our presentation binder with everything about our company in it." And I stopped the guy. I said, "Well, hang on for a second now." I said, "Let me ask you a question, uh, Rob. Um, I can do this one of two ways." I can go through the whole presentation book that's three inches thick here, or also I can just ask a few questions. You can buy the job right now. What should we do? Hmm. And he said, "No, let's just let's just do it real quick, and I'll just buy the job." Right. <laughs> so basically, the threat the threat of using the book uh, worked to say that if you don't buy it today, I'll I'll be threatened to do, to use the entire book and go through the entire book. There you go. And Joe, can I make a comment about that? Sure. I I was a huge literature guy. And by doing the system, I've learned no one cares about that literature. All you're doing is boring them to death. Since I've been doing your system, I haven't had one person ask me for a piece of literature. Wow. Not that one person. person I, can, but, I, I have it in my truck. I keep on waiting for someone to ask for it. And no one's like, typically when I leave the call, the customer uh, will say, oh, yeah, by the way, what kind of equipment am I getting? Uh-huh. What do you say? Oh, it's American Standard. Oh, great. 
<laughs> yeah, they don't even know. Yeah. And, and, and see, I was convinced that the type of equipment and the brochures and everything was important. And really, the customers are like, oh, no, he's not going to go through that brochure, is he? Remember when I told you uh, when I first met you that I hadn't put a that you, I never put a, a a brand name down on that proposal since 1998. Remember I told you that? Yep. And but I don't think you believed me at that time, did you? I didn't. Yeah, but, because the first six months I had a brand name on my on my presentations. Uh huh. Well, until the last six months I took the brand name right off. And did it make a difference? No, it got better it was, actually, didn't it? Yeah, it got better. Yeah, because <laughs> now I I get them off of comparing equipment. I don't want wow. them comparing equipment. I want them thinking about what they're going to buy from me. Which yeah. package you're going to buy? Not, all right, the other guy is quoting this and you're quoting that. Which one's better? I got to get some reports. You just cause all kinds of problems for yourself. There's more for them to have to think about. Yeah, yeah. Hey, do you have that, that, is that uh, Mike? Are you there from Florida, store? I, I am. How, how you doing there? Did you have? I, I'm sorry, I didn't get you on the roll call before. I just just realized that the, I was hoping we didn't lose you. You're still out there. I'm still out here. I'm I'm paying attention and I've got a page of notes here. Do you really? Do you have any? Do you have any questions so far? I mean, you're you're on the uh, you're on the outside fringe of this. You have you're kind of listening in for the first time. Uh, any questions? Any things that have struck you that uh, you want to get clarified on at this point? Because we're coming coming down to the last quarter here, our last 15 minutes. Right. We'll kind of touch base with you guys in the crowd now to see if there's anything we want to touch base on. Mike, what do you think? Uh, well, I like everything that Rick has been been talking about, uh, and he's mentioned just a few things, but. He he's mentioned that his presentation is going to be better, and so I would like to hear just a few minutes of that presentation. Uh, obviously, not the whole thing. That's not going to work. But just let's, you know, I'm going to. If we were still role playing this, and I go, well, you know, I want to think about it. That's fine. I'll, t- I'll tell you what. Then you know, I, I would just like to hear a little bit of yeah, that. Yeah, that's, 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 that's a good way to do it. Let's let's do let's do this. Let's do a little. We could probably do a little bit of a mini presentation. That actually, the funny part is, Mike, right. and everybody else listening to this. I mean, Rick, when you do the entire presentation from start to end, how long does it take usually? Uh, five, ten minutes, maybe. Isn't sure. it funny, Mike? I mean, the, the, the funny part that is that right now, everybody's spending twenty, thirty minutes on this part of it. Right. We spend maybe in our thing, maybe five to ten minutes at the most. And we get, and like I was on a call in New York. I was, I was in Westchester. I sold a hundred and fifty-seven thousand-dollar job in twenty minutes. You know, and so the, you know, you know it won't, it's actually a very simple presentation. When you hear it, you're, you know, there's a lot of principles behind it which we haven't talked about tonight. But I think we can do a little sample of it so you can kind of uh, yeah, I see, can, see I a can little bit of it. Some, and you yeah. can hear a little I can bit just of it. Touch on some of the main points. Yeah, we'll, we can cover a few of the main points there. And uh, and this is a big part of it too because you're right. You're very perceptive, Mike. Is that you're very perceptive in the fact that. The presentation is got to be different than what everybody else is doing. If you're doing the same thing, if you're doing the same presentation that your that other companies are doing, but just charging twenty thousand dollars more for it, you're in trouble. Right. You, you are in big trouble, Chief. There's no way you're going to sell that job if you're doing the same thing but just charging more money. That's just that's just a disaster um, disaster formula. So. Uh, why don't we take it from a, a platinum system, Rick? You want to do it, or should I do it? What do you want to do? Yeah, yeah let me just – I'll start off. I, what I do is I have a I have a laptop that I flip – it has a screen that flips around so the customer can see it, and I do a PowerPoint presentation for them. And what I do is I found this is our platinum plus option. Now, this is going to be higher in price. Uh, the reason why is a lot of people have requested us to include extra labor warranties, extra material warranties, and service warranties along with the package. And not only that, 
it's the best of the best equipment. It's the highest efficiency equipment, and it includes the best air cleaning options, the the uh, humidification options. It's got the best of everything. It's the absolute best. You know, so I'm going to tell you, it's, this first one is going to be expensive. But you know what? I want to show you the very best. I don't want to prejudge that you don't want the best. So let me show it to you, okay? Okay. Sure. Here's the Platinum Plus. Boom. Here's, this is a this is a, a premium efficiency. This is the highest efficiency two-stage out condition you can get with a variable speed air condition with a with a um, with a humidity control with with 10 years all parts, 10 years all labor, 10 years VIP service. And we would come to your house every year and we we do all the maintenance. We do an 18 point checkup. We clean everything. We blow everything out. Plus, if you pick up the phone and call us, you're a VIP. We come right away. That's it. Includes the best air cleaning purifying system. Includes all this. All the so pads and filters. All the pads and filters for 10 years. Includes bulb, bulb changes for 10 years. Um, immediate uh, filters replacements for 10 years. Everything. You couldn't write me a check for 10 years on this system. Everything's 100% covered. Okay, how much do you think something like that would cost? Oh, I, I don't really want to tell you. That. Wait, 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 wait. Come on. I, I'm not showing it to you. To, 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 to your guess. So what do you think that would cost? $13,000. $13,000? Hey, well, let me ask you a question. How much did you pay for your last car? Thirty-two. $32,000. Boy, I wish I could do it for thirty-two. Let me show you. Look, it's only 21000 Okay. Now, 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 what, what, what do you think the customer does then? Well, obviously, oh. I think that they, they, uh, because they price themselves a little lower, that they just kind of sit back and they're waiting for something else, maybe. Yeah, exactly. what, they do. what Rick has yeah. now is five more options. Right, exactly. And, and, and those, five, those five options, so if, you, if you had the one at 24, the next one would probably be like 19, the next one would be right. like 15. The next sure. one would be twelve. And the next one would be nine. Them, yeah. One would be, be seventy-five hundred, probably. But yeah. there's an important there's an important point there. Every time the customer goes, oh, that is expensive. See, I told you. See, now I got my first agreement with the customer. Right. See, now I bonded with him because yeah, we laughed about it. Yeah, it, it is expensive. Every once in a while, they won't laugh to say that's the one I want. <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, okay. but most most of the time. They'll, they'll say, yeah, that is expensive. And now I'm on a better level with that customer because we have something we agree upon. Don't you agree, Joe? Yeah, what, what happens is the first time when you show the option, you say, you said 32000 I say, no, it's only twenty four. So what I did there is that's called, basically it's called law of contrast. See what Rick did there, Mike? He yeah. got you actually to guess higher, even though you said 13000 Right. He got you to say 32000 just for a moment, and you were kind of freaking out a little bit. 32000 no, no, come on! It's only twenty-four. Oh, that's, so now he's a hero, right? All right. And then, and then, and then you can here's here's the rest of the options here. The one for nineteen thousand, the same as above, with five years of the same thing for nineteen. And if I do the do do the thing with a little bit lesser grade equipment, don't do the surgical room air quality. I just do the normal air quality. That's only twelve thousand. And here's our silver option, which is nine thousand. Here's our bronze, which is seventy-five hundred. So what should we do? Right. We shut up. We shut up. Okay, right. so your presentation strictly is on the numbers. So what's happening, uh, I say on the numbers, a little more involved in that. But so as far as pre well, you're, you're, pre you're right, though, client, because if, if I took a sheet of paper, Mike, yeah. and I handed the customer that whole option sheet from 24000 down to 7500 
<laughs> guess what? Guess where their eyes always go. They don't care about what you're doing. Guess what? The first thing they're looking, just like you would look at. We all look at it, right? Always looking at the price. We always want to see what the price is. Yeah. And always. so that's the thing that matters, and that's the thing that. So what the customer then says is, they go, "Hey, Rick, what's that one for twelve thousand? Right. And then, then then Rick says, "Well, Joe, that's a good option. What do you like about that one?" Exactly. And then the customer sells you that option. He says. Well, it's the same as above. With I mean, this is still the premium stuff, right, Rick? Except for it's got instead of five years, it's got three years. I can do it out the five years. I can do the three years. So what should we do then? Well, let's go with that one. Yeah. Let's go with that one. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so that's what happens. The customer. But what you're doing is the customer finds his own way, Mike. And that's sure. a good question because here's the way I put it to Rick, and I put it to everybody. If you're a salesman who just picks one furnace or one air conditioning unit and then tries to add a bunch of other options on top of it, mm-hmm. as a, I, call, I call it like a spray and pray where you're doing the one furnace, one AC, selecting one, and then saying, Here's your, here, here it is, here's the one I'm selecting for you, and here's some other optional stuff you can do on top of that. Those options nobody ever looks at. Very few people look at those options as viable because they look at it like if you weren't serious enough for me to buy that in the top one, then why are you even putting that stuff out there? It's kind of like kind of like going to Best Buy and buying a plasma TV, and then you pay. You already got committed to twenty eight hundred dollars for that plasma TV, uh-huh. and then you're at the counter with the the kid who's 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 checking you out, and he goes, you know, we could do an extended warranty for three years on that for one hundred sixty nine dollars. What do you always say to that? No. no. Yeah, nobody ever buys that. But right. if you did the Not opposite, the, the, the stupid part is if, if Best Buy would sell so many much more warranties. If they did this, if they said, you know, uh, plasma TV with brand new 10-year warranty, $3,200. And then, and then they said price underneath it, $2,800 with one-year warranty. Right. Guess how many warranties they would sell that way? They would uh, increase them drastically. Yeah, because you, you, everybody, there's, there's a group of people that would commit to that higher price. There's, there's a group of us that would look at the higher price and say, mm-hmm. what, what's the difference, 300 bucks? Sure, let's go ahead and get the, let's go ahead and get the 10 years. I mean... You sure. can see the price difference. The difference is it's just presented differently. And so that's what you're doing a little differently than the other way of doing it where you're coming up with a full-blown option. And that's how the presentation goes, more or less, right there. That's how it kind of sounds. And so you're taking care of pretty much all of your your um, the client having any questions or dragging their feet with all the other questions before you ever get to your presentation. Right, and the biggest thing is that, you're right, and the biggest thing is that you're educating the customer by using your presentation. There's no more education in the background. Like, there's no no more Rick getting white stuff around the side of his mouth talking about how good of a brand American Standard is. Right. All he does is give all the options, and the customer selects it and says, well, tell me me about that one there for (laughs) $7,500. And then Rick just says, what do you like about that one? Yes. And then the customer sells him. He doesn't sell. He never sells the customer, right, Rick? Exactly. It's it's almost too easy. It, it's, it's almost like a, like Ricky told me one time. It's like an unfair advantage, isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It really is. Yep. Yeah. And so with that method of doing it, you're you've taken your sales time. I mean, would you say let's look? Let's talk, we talk. We start off the conversation talking about the old way of doing things and the new way of doing things, Rick. How long would you say an entire presentation the old way, starting from the time you got to the house, the time you made a presentation, the time you sold it, how much time did it take back then for one job to take place, and how much time does it take now, would you say? Well, I would say it would take a couple of hours. I mean, for the time I did all my, because I had to type the whole proposal out and print it and give it to them, go a couple of hours. Now, 
I do the presentation, sell the job, do all the engineering, probably in an hour. So you cut cut your time in half, you'd say. Yeah, yeah, and in the presentation process, from time I'm in looking at the presentation is probably 45 minutes. Wow. So imagine, imagine if you, imagine doing the old way and selling. I mean, let's say let's say you're on track to do six million. You did five hundred thousand in January, five hundred in February, and who knows where you're going to wind up in March. But let's say you do you do six million. If you did six million the old way, uh, how many hours do you have to work a day to do that six million? Would you say? Just not just not enough time. It's impossible. It, it wouldn't be. There's no way. That's why when some of you people might may hear somebody selling one person selling six million in a year. You think it's impossible? Based on the way you're selling right now, it is impossible. It is, right, yeah. there's, there's no way that, no way somebody in the traditional me- method of selling could sell six million dollars in one year because the, you would be working uh, more than 24 hours a day, just going through all the stuff you used to that you do right now with the presentation books. And you, imagine how sick you'd be hearing yourself talk about the presentation book and about 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 your company and about how great your company is and how many times you'd be saying that over and over again. Right. Yeah. To me, the biggest enemy yeah. of a salesperson today is the presentation book. Right. I, I think. So, yeah. Just think of the old days, Rick. Didn't you get tired of hearing yourself talk about yourself? I'm so sick of making that presentation. <laughs> I, I I couldn't stand it. I, I mean, I I did sales full time. I, I sold 1.4 million at my peak. The old way. I I I was trained by a. Uh, I won't say the brand name of the manufacturer, but I was trained by a boot camp in uh, Texas, and I was also trained in. Uh, uh, one uh, from Syracuse, a company that is based based in Syracuse, as you guys might know. I won't mention any brand names, but I'll tell you what. I went to all the training I could go to, and I had the presentation books and the whole thing like that. And I tell you what, I got sick of telling people how many years I've been in the Chamber of Commerce and how I'm President of Lake County Heating right. and Cooling Association. I teach at the College Lake County. I just yeah, got I sick of hearing have... myself talk about myself. Yeah, can, I, can I say something about that, Joe? Yeah. Here's a difference. Here's why I can sell so much. Because I'm only spending my valuable time, the asset of my time, and my talent in front of people who are ready to make a decision. The reason why my closing ratio is 75% is because I don't quote everybody anymore. Once I realize they're not going to give me a yes or a no, I don't even give them a quote. Hey, Rick. Rick? Yeah. Uh, quick question. Uh, this is Gene Cattell, the calm. I've been listening to you. You've been doing a great job. One quick question. What kind of pre-qual do you do on the phone? Oh, that's huge. I, I don't do any pre-qualifying. I've trained a, a girl in the office who does a whole bunch of pre-qualifying questions. She asks them when they're going to be ready to make a decision, uh, and then she will schedule the appointment closest to when they're ready to make a decision if possible. She'll uh, ask them if anybody else is calling a job, who and when. You'd be amazed how many people tell you exactly what they, how many quotes they're getting and who's doing it. She'll even ask them if they want to be pre-qualified for credit. Um She'll ask them, and you'd be surprised how many calls I get. Yes, these customers already been pre-approved for ten thousand dollars credit. Um, she also will give me an A, B, C, or D. This is an A call, a B call, a C call, a D call. And as she's qualifying and she's getting A calls, she's calling the Bs and the Cs and rescheduling them. So, so bottom um, line, this is this is a thing that we developed with Rick and his company that we that Rick and I together redesigned the sales system, right, Rick? Because right. Back in the old days, I remember when I, when I first went, went on ride-alongs with you guys, the first eight calls I went on weren't even calls. They were like, we need a new heating register. Yeah, yeah. We need we need heat in the basement, that yeah, type of thing. Add a heat in the basement, exactly. And so we, we wound up saying we need to qualify these calls better. So that's a good question, Gene. 
So what you do now, basically, Rick, is we have a grading system we developed, which is basically people, both decision makers are going to be present. They're pre-qualified for financing. They're going to make a decision today. That's an A lead. That's, that's, that goes right to the top. Right. Now, if we have three D leads on the schedule right now, guess what happens to those D leads? The D lead would be like only one decision maker present. Uh, they aren't deciding for two weeks, and they, aren't, and they can't get approved for financing. So guess where that person gets – guess who gets rescheduled, the A lead or the D lead, Gene? Yeah, definitely. Uh, a D could get pushed off so an A could slide in the spot. You got it. And so, so this is like – that's another unfair advantage that Rick has is that he's basically changed the selling environment from uh, taking any crappy call that comes in and replacing it with the best call at the best. So basically the one thing you can do to help people is make sure that you're placing your best person in front of the best customer at the best time. Right, and that's the company's responsibility. Uh, the, the salesman can help too, though. He can he can also if if it wasn't the company didn't do that, you could do a fair amount of that pre-qualifying on the phone yourself before you go out there. I suppose, right? Well, I, see, be, I, oh, I, I do that all the time because I do a lot of night calls. So I'll get a call from the office. Customer called. They had new heat. You got to go up there right away. And I'm like, whoa, hold on, Sam. Give me their name and their phone number, and let me give them a call. And I called them up and I start asking all those questions. So what's going on? You have no heat. So what are you going to do about that? You're going to make a decision tonight. We want to be qualified. Both decision makers there. And if I get all negative comments, I'll say the customer, well, there's really no reason for you to come out there this evening. Right. Why go out there tonight if you're not going to get? I mean, it's a it's a it's a it's a pretty big use. It's a pretty big use of Rick's resource, I would say, Rick. I mean, you're a pretty important guy in the company. So to use up that resource at 12 o'clock at night or one in the morning, you don't mind doing it, but. All you expect out of it is what? A, a positive I, result. Uh, yeah. If if I if I'm gonna go up there at twelve, one o'clock and that I expect them to make a decision that that night. If they're not, then I don't go. You've right. done that? Gone out ten, twelve o'clock at night, give them a price and well, Rick, I just, that Rick just worked uh he just had a day where you worked twenty three hours, right, Rick? You said you yeah, started I did, yeah. See this is what this is what well this is probably good for another meeting, but I have to give half my sales credit to the way that we set the company up. I am in front of a majority of people who have no heat the majority of the time because I am on a first-name basis with every service tech we have. Service techs call me in my house 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 o'clock at night, and they introduce me to the customer on the phone. I get in my car, and I drive to the house at 12 o'clock at night, and I get $15,000 for a boiler any other company gets five for because I'm there at night, and we're going to be there the next morning at 7 a.m., and they're going to have heat by 1 o'clock in the afternoon. It's a huge advantage. Yeah, because the service is better. That's why it's better. Right, first class experience. Right. You know, people flying a plane, it's the same plane, but they pay for first class because of the service they get. That's right. That's That's good. And that's exactly how we set up our our business. But you're right. We can go over that different night. Matter of fact, we can talk about that uh, in the future meetings because that is a uh, a huge point. Qualification is a subject of its own for sure. I uh, may I have a question? Sure. how your guys generate such a so many leads? And Generating leads for from, uh, for, uh, from service you're talking about, or from just uh, estimates and so forth? Yes. Well, um, I mean, really, what it comes into is that the service guys, Rick. I mean, it's it's important that the service people are on the same team as you are, and exactly. that right now when your service guys go on a call, if they if the service people are quoting cheap options options all the time then the customer will never be inspired to want to replace the equipment because it's always cheap enough to fix it. So if you say, 
I fix this boiler for $300, well, people are going to be like, yeah, just fix it. But if you're going to quote the same repair with better warranties and renovations, let's say I go on a boiler repair and it's got a 40-year-old pumps and it's got relays that are 30 years old, and I quote a complete renovation for that boiler, and that comes in at 3000 3500 for the repair, guess what the next thing the customer says when I quote that kind of number? The customer says, hey, I better be cheap. Why don't we go ahead and just replace it? It's going to be 3500 bucks. Let's face it, this thing, Joe, this thing's 40 years old. I don't want to pay 3500 to put into this thing. Can we, just get, can we just get a sales guy out here and have him talk to me about this? And so now that's when the sales guy calls Rick, and Rick then sees if we're going to go forward today or not. Right, Rick? Right, exactly. I mean, it's not, not like everybody's got a cracked heat exchanger. It's just that sometimes they have, if the, sales guy, if the service guys are doing their job and quoting the options the right way, and there's a high enough option, most customers are going to generate their own lead. They're going to say, you know, I don't want to fix it. I want to replace it. And exactly. that's, that, that's where the salesperson comes in and then uh, quotes his options, too, which are, of course, you know, many different types from the top to the bottom. One thing I will say this, I want to, I want to finish with this. It's important to realize that all service people and all salespeople quote the best option to each customer, meaning the one that has a five-year warranty, five years of planned service for service calls, and complete renovation of the ignition system. Let's face it, if we have a, if we have a hot service igniter that's gone bad, but the entire ignition system with gas valve is like 15 years old, it doesn't make sense not to renovate the whole system. All the parts are 15 years old. Why are we leaving them in there? It's like having a, it's like having a mechanic with a bad spark plug only replacing one spark plug. So the, the technician's got to be in tune with uh, offering as much quality service as possible and packaging as much as possible, and then the sales people got to do the same thing. But you have to quote the best thing, and you have to quote the worst thing, meaning that you've got to give people the package of all the complete solutions, but also the cheapest thing they could do, too, to compete with the competition. This way, the biggest mistake you could make is if you only quoted the high options and didn't quote the low options, because what would happen then is that now, now you're just ripping people off. You're just quoting things high and not giving people the opportunity to go cheap either. Right, Rick? Yeah, and it's absolutely Rick, correct. Rick, how many survey techs do you have? Uh, we have about uh, 12. 12. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so 12 service techs, and he, they generate enough leads for him to uh, do about two You do about two leads, two new leads a day, right, Rick? Yes. About two yes. new leads a day he does. And with those two two new ones a day, uh, he's he's done about five hundred thousand a month. Five hundred thousand a month. Five hundred fifty-five thousand actually in January, and five hundred thousand, five hundred fifteen thousand in the February. That is great. That's incredible. That's why we have him on the phone. <laughs> so uh, and that's what and that's what job. the training is. That, and that's what the training is all about. Students both. <laughs> Excuse me. You, I said you both teachers and. The you are the teacher, the best teacher, and uh, Jimmy's student, the best student. So, well, well, thank you. <laughs> Appreciate it. It really is, I, and I have to give all credit for credit too. Uh, absolutely, Joe's system has uh, yeah. revolutionized everything I do. Well, you know, I always, I always say when the uh, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. That's why I say when okay. the student is ready, the teacher will appear. And so, when in your case, Rick, the student was ready. And so I did appear, didn't I? Absolutely. <laughs> All right, we're going to end this meeting for today. Thanks, everybody, for showing up, and I appreciate the, uh, uh, the uh, your attendance.